Welcome to the Wandering Sun Podcast. I am your host, Eric Villatoro. I am speaking with people who are actively being transformed by Jesus. I pray Holy Spirit uses this to bless you, encourage you, teach you. Enjoy. All right, guys. So today on the podcast, I got my good friend, Emmanuel Rivera. And today we're speaking about demonic possession and demonic oppression. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. And this is really exciting for me because, um, you know, we spoke about this, Manny, like randomly um, through our, our, our time here at church. And when you shared your testimony with me for the first time, I'm not going to lie, I was excited. I was le- legit excited because I've, I've always thought about people who experience this. And I've never been able to actually speak to somebody that has gone through it, right? And so, man, I just want to get straight into it, bro, if you don't mind. Just just share your testimony really quick and, and let the people know what happened in that moment. Amen, yeah. So, well, to start off, um, every testimony has a beginning, right? And my beginning was relatively with my family. Um, family was, was saved very early on when I was... Um, I'm both a toddler, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Family always went to church. You know, we were always going on Sundays and being involved. But you as a as a young kid, you know, and an early teenager, you know, your priorities or your focus is not really on Jesus. And that's at least in my part, in my experience. Right. I knew who God was. I just never knew, like, knew him. You know what I'm saying? Like... I didn't have a relationship with him. I like to say, like, you knew of him, but you didn't know him. That's what I usually tell people. People know a celebrity and they know what they've done. They know what they do. And, you know, where they even where they were born sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you don't know them personally. You don't have a relationship with exactly, them. Exactly. Yes. So, you know, grew up in a Hispanic church, went through phases in, in my in my life where, you know, I was experiencing, um, loneliness when I was a young kid, you know, I was a, pretty much, I was overly obese, you know, and I was bullied and, and uh, kind of like, you know, castrated away from, from the popular groups and the popular kids and stuff like that. So my, my group of friends was very limited, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got a condition, you know, I, I became a type two diabetic and uh, made me lose drastic weight and, you know, that helped, you know, because in my growing um, stage, you know, I thinned out and started fixing myself. And instead of wearing glasses, I got contacts when I got to high school. But that built a feeling of resentment, hmm. a resentment towards just the people that would ridicule me and and uh, make fun of me. And with that resentment came, came pride hmm. because it got to a point where oh, I knew I looked better or I, I know I can do better than you or even to the point where I'm I'm smart enough than you, smarter enough than you, you know, in, in different aspects and or different classes and stuff. Fast forward to graduation of high school. I did horrible my last two years to be honest. <laughs> like this did, you know, completely flunked my grades and I had no scholarships. I had, you know, basically no future, you know. Um, but what I did get into, luckily, was in JROTC in high school. So I figured that my pathway 
or my gateway, you know, to having a career was going to be in the military. That was what I was banking on, really. You know, I was just like, I'm going to go in the military. I'm going to become a Marine, you know, and just make a career out of that. We get into, you know, graduating. And uh, I clearly remember the, the recruiter from the Navy came and he was just like seeking for people to give scholarships to the Naval Academy. He goes up to the to our master sergeant and he's like, hey, you know, who are your top 10? You know, who do you recommend to apply for the scholarship? And thankfully, he, he picked me, you know. So I'm applying the scholarship. I'm like writing all my information down. And the very last question was, it's like, do you have any health conditions that might um, affect this application from, from being approved? And I legit like sought, sat there for a good five minutes, just debating whether I should be honest with my condition or not, because I knew that this probably actually, you know, would, would definitely not make me receive, you know, the, uh, what's it called the scholarship. So I finally decided to be honest because I know that they're always going to do drug tests and all that stuff and check your blood and everything. They're going to find out regardless. So I, I put it down, gave my application to the, to the recruiter and he checks it. He's just like, you know, very impressed with the information and he sees right in the bottom, he sees type two diabetic and he's like, just looks me dead in the eyes and goes, sorry, son, we can't accept type two diabetics in the military. For me, that was like, like the tipping point of, wow, you know, like I busted my butt doing this. You know, this is my, my gateway, my scapegoat, you know, for, for getting a career and getting my life, you know, together post, you know, high school. Right. What am I doing my life? And uh, with, with that rejection, it started building up a lot of um, more resentment, basically, and started going to church um, or still was going to church. But I actually started having a conversation with God, but it wasn't like the, oh, please help me. You know, I'm praying for a career. It was more of like, dude, why did you do that? You're like, why? If you are supposed to be a God that blesses your children, why are you over here just closing all the doors in my life? With that, you know, my relationship with my parents was was pretty um, toxic. You know, I was very verbal about how I felt. My anger issues were were pretty noticeable, you know, throughout when I was in high school, you know, always picking fights, always, you know, instigating, running my mouth. And I was always that resentful type of person that I would analyze you if I met you for the first time ever. I would analyze you from head to toe and I would find any weak points or anything that, that I could use against you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, it's crazy, you know, to, to focus so much energy and time on just finding someone's weaknesses or, or finding someone's vulnerabilities. Mm. And um, as soon as, you know, I, whatever reason I need to use it, I would just blur it out, you know, put them down. And that's just how I carried myself. I was, I was like, Hey, this is, this was happening to me when, when I was growing up and now I have the freedom and the will to do it myself. So here I go. I'm going to implement it onto the whole world around me. You know, mm. you don't like me then that's your problem, you know? So went to church, started, you know, building more of that 
resentment towards everything that was going on in my life. I was going to say, and people at church, was there like any leaders that, you know, noticed this or, or that tried to speak to you oh, yeah. about it or? Of course. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, my, my youth leaders at that time knew exactly, you know, where I was. <laughs> they were just like, man, you, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be nicer to people. You gotta be able to show the love of Christ. And mm. I was like, I'm not about that. You was not there. Yeah, I was like, I'm Manny. You know, I never understood the concept of when the when God abides in you and you are the temple yourself. Yeah. I never believed in that. You know, I was just like, no, I'm Manny and this is how I am. If you don't like it, then that's your problem, you know? The moment just came during the summertime. Okay. Right after I graduated, I just it was it wasn't like an exact moment. It was like kind of like a progression of of just basically building up hate. You know, nothing was working out. You know, uh, I think I got fired from like my my summer job and whatever. And my relationship with parents was not working out. And I kept instead of blaming myself and doing something about it, I started blaming it on the Lord, you know, and just saying, oh, well, you're the one who's causing this. You're the one who is just closing doors or or, or just making my life a living hell. Wow. So um, my godparents came from Puerto Rico and they're like, hey, let's go to Niagara Falls. So I went with my parents and them. And I think that was the height of, of my rebellion. And I just remember we got to Niagara Falls. Of course, me being all moody, didn't want to participate in sightseeing or anything like that. I just wanted to stay in the back of the van. So I'm in the back of the van and my sugar drops. It turns out that I overshot medication when I was eating and then the process of walking you know, made my sugar just drop quick. And I start arguing with God. And I was like, oh, you know, this is such a, a pain in the butt, you know, like me having to, to, to deal with this, you know. And I'm over here having low blood sugar when I just ate. Because the worst thing about having diabetes is if you have low blood sugar and you overshoot insulin and you're full, <laughs> you have to eat or drink something to raise it up. Yeah. And your body, your stomach, in a, in a sense, is like doesn't want anything else because it's full, but your body needs sugar. So, so I'm like holding. I'm being stubborn, you know. I'm just like I'm not gonna let this, you know, overcome me. You know, like this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I hate you, Lord. And I remember, like prior to that, even uh, the week before, I think we even left to to Niagara Falls. There was a point where we were at church praying, where my, at least my parents were. I'm just I was just there hanging out. And I low key like looked up at, at the sky and just like put my fist up like this and just said, from now on, I don't ever want you in my life. Mm. You ruined it. You completely done nothing for me. So why the heck am I going to serve this God that doesn't give me any benefit, you know? Right. And I made like that pact literally of, of rebellion, you know? Fast forward to where we're at and I'm in the van. I'm holding on to my to 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 my low blood sugar and I start panicking. So I, I flip over to the uh, to the back of the seat where the trunk was. And I and the, the, we had like a little fridge there with, you know, orange juice and snacks and stuff like that. And I start scrambling to try to like grab some orange juice or something to eat, you know. So my head's like, you know, inverted all my blood's rushing to the, to my head. 
and I was just lost it, bro. So I sat back down. I couldn't, you know, when you have low blood sugar, you just lose every sensation. Your limbs get numb. You know, your palpitations of your heart are really strong. You have cold sweats. And I just like gave up, man. I was, I just sat back in the seat and I was like, all right, well, if this is it, I'm ready, you know, go ahead. And my vision just went blank. You know, it's like someone was throwing white paint in my vision. It just went doof, 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 doof. flared out and uh, went to a diabetic shock. This part of my testimony is from my mother because I was obviously in shock. So <laughs> she said that um, she saw the van just shaking back and forth. And I, I was I was one to, you know, to always be, you know, joking around and, and acting immature. So she thought I was just kidding, you know. She like walks over to the van, opens the van to like, you know, tell me to stop. (laughs) And then she sees me in the back of the seat having, you know, my diabetic shock. So she rushes to the back of the of of the of the van, grabs orange juice, runs back inside the van. And as she runs back inside the van, she sees me banging my head on the side uh, framing of the wood of the window. And she says she described it as as if I as if someone was grabbing my head and literally just raising my head up and banging it against the window or against the wood with my eyes rolled up in the back of my head and my with my chin and my jaw all locked in a in a weird position. Mm -hmm. So she comes, you know, and just pours orange juice down my throat. Which is something you should not do, by the way, <laughs> if you're if you're dealing with someone in a shock like that. But she just pours it down my throat, and um, you know she starts praying. You know she was she she was always a, a a woman of prayer. You know, so she started praying for the Lord to to intercede and and to you know bring me back to life and to be okay. So I, I gained consciousness in the the lobby of the hotel that we we're staying at have like the biggest, you know, you know, headache in the world, you know, and all this was all sore. And I started laughing. Wake up, get, get, you know, get consciousness. And the first thing I did was to start laughing. And my parents were looking at me like, what are you, like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> is he okay? You know? And of course I was okay. You know, it was just the fact that I was laughing because I was mocking God. Hmm. I was just like, wow, dude, look, he tried to even take my life away and you couldn't even get that right. Like what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> like my, my pridefulness, you know, mixed with rebellion was at an all time high. You know, I was just like, you not even, you can't even do death. Right. You know, you can't like kill me the right way. You know, that happened in Niagara Falls. We come back next week. I want to hang out with my girlfriend at that time. Parents is like, nope, you're going to to uh, to Vigilia, you know, to to late light prayer. Mm-hmm. And I hated those, bro. <laughs> I was thought those were like the worst, you know. Had an argument with them. They finally, you know, blackmailed me to do it. Went there, just you know, hanging out, you know, hanging out with uh, the two to five people, you know, youth groups or youth people that were there. And um, my youth leader, the same one that I cursed out on the phone, comes up to me and she's just like, hey, Manny, I want I want to pray for you. And I was like, nope, F no, you're not doing you're not going to pray for me. And she's like, 
okay. And she just has a little smirk on her face and she walks away. <laughs> and I'm minding my business, you know. She comes back with her husband. And uh, she's like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And I was like, yo, what part of you? I don't want prayer. Do you not understand? We're about to fight, you know? She's like, I'm going to pray for you. So as soon as I'm trying, I mean, mind you, I'm a, what, like a buck 40. I only weighed like 140 pounds. I was super skinny at that time. But I thought I was it. You know, I thought I was, I was the all bags, all that a bag of chips. So her husband, which was really swole, grabs me and lifts me up like this mm-hmm. with my hands tied behind my back and just literally lifts me up and just holds me in that position. And she's and she starts praying for me. And man, if <laughs> I started like slithering, not slithering as a snake, but, you know, just trying to slither out of the out of the hold, um, cursing, you know, just making a scene, basically, because I wasn't I wasn't I didn't want prayer, you know. So she starts praying for me. She calls over the co-pastor. Co-pastor starts anointing her hands with, with prayer oil. And she goes and she she places it on my forehead. And it starts burning. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that joint burns, you know? Like, <laughs> what you put so in I, that? Yeah, I was like, that's what the freak kind of, what was that, you know? Yeah. So I got even more upset, you know? Like, and again, dealing with anger issues and whatever, I was livid, you know? My blood, I could literally feel my blood boiling all over my body and just going all over my limbs and my head and, and everything. And as soon as uh, like she starts like literally praying, at this point she was actually praying for liberation, which I had no idea what exactly that was what she was doing. Yeah. As soon as as she starts doing that, and she starts saying like, "Man, you say the name of Jesus," I got one hand loose, and I started lashing at her like a little cheetah. You know, I was like, "What?" And. I'm someone that, yeah, I would disrespect you verbally, but I was never to a point where I would physically attack an adult yeah. and more, you know, less of a, you know, a woman. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Like, that's just, that wasn't a boundary that I would never cross. So when that happened though, that's when I came into a realization. I was like, Whoa, hold on. That's not me. Like, I understand my limits and and how my temperament, but that's not something I would do. Mm-hmm. So once once that happened, bro, and I lost the 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 ability to speak, and I started like hissing and growling. You know, I was like, "Whoa, that's not me, though." And it literally felt like like you took a backseat. And I really truly believe when they said your windows are. Or, or your eyes are your, are the windows to your soul. Yeah. And I felt like my eyes were like just windows. And I was just seeing like a movie or something, you know. But I was sitting down. I was tied up. I felt like I had my mouth tied up. I felt like, you know, my ability to control my movements or, or what I was saying was all taken away from me. And that's where I got scared, man. I, I was just like, whoa, this is not me anymore. You know, so what is this, you know? You know, growing up in church and seeing people being possessed or or being oppressed, I always thought it was a game. I always thought I was just, oh, this is doing it for show. 
And when I started, when I started feeling that or seeing that happen with my own body, that's where I got really concerned. And that's where I was just like, okay, I need help. Mm. But who's the only one who can help me? <laughs> Jesus, right? So in a panic, I try, I try to call out for Jesus. You know, I was like, yo, help me. Jesus, help me. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I, the, 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 the attack was so strong that I felt like someone was choking me. And they could tell because they were like, you need to say the name Jesus. Then you, need, you need to speak his name. You need to say, Jesus, help me. Because it's, it's an action. It's a, it's a will, basically. If you want to get free or liberated from something, you yourself have to say yourself. If you want true liberation, you know, so I was just like, Jesus, Jesus, in the in my mind, I guess you could say, bro, it took like an hour of just a struggle going back and forth until I could finally say Jesus. And it wasn't even like a like a huge like Jesus. It was just like a, a faint whisper of his name. And in that whole time, in that whole time, though, in that hour, what what was happening? You would just. It was a legit spiritual, physical battle. Like, but you were still like swinging. And yeah, doing I was stuff. swinging, growling. I was sweating bullets. You know, like it was powerful. And you know, at that time, you know, the church, our church, was at a point where they just started having like uh, experiences with with dealing with that. So it was like kind of fresh for all everybody there. You know, yeah. Um, they didn't. They didn't quite understand the authority that God gives you to, to, to cast out demons and everything. So a process that might've taken way less time that someone who's spiritually in tune with the authority that they have mm. obviously took an hour because we just didn't have the experience, you know? Yeah. So an hour later, I finally, finally just start started saying his name and I remember the, the 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 youth leader, the guy that was holding me up, he just let me go because I was exhausted, bro. I mean, <laughs> if you guys seen the liberation, sometimes it can get pretty wild. So I finally felt like a like a sense of of just tiredness and just completely debilitated in all areas, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. And um I remember that just very faintly, my dad was standing in front of me. My mom was probably somewhere else crying. <laughs> and my dad was standing in front of me. He was, you know, in tears with his eyes. And he, the guy just kind of like lets go of me and like makes me walk two or three steps. Mm-hmm. And my dad grabs me, you know, with a hug and hugs me. And I just lose consciousness again for I don't know how long. All I know is I woke, I got consciousness back. One of the ancianas, one of the elderly ladies in the church, you know, that, that are always, you know, very spiritually in tune with God. And she comes up to me, she starts praying for me mm. and speaking words of life and, and prophesying things over me and just having a, a one-on-one with God, really. And all the answers, all the, the resentment, you know, that I had, God was answering those questions right then and there. The question of why do I have this disease that has has blocked so many areas or so many doors in my life? He was just like, well, because I have a better plan for you, you know? And if I needed to give you something in order to 
for you not to pursue those plans because of the way that you are. But I want you to fulfill my calling over your life. You know, with that came, you know, the, the, the prof, the prophetic words of what he wants me to be used in his, in his kingdom work. And yeah, you know, like that is, I guess my real first greeting, you know, like my first, Hey, this is God for real. This is, this is who, who you should be building a relationship with and um, who should you entrust for the rest of your life? Because no matter what plans or what goals are you set forth in your life, the plans that he has are always going to be perfect. Yeah. No matter what. And it's always going to be in his perfect timing. Right. So things that you might want right then, right then and now, if it's not in his plans, it ain't going to happen unless he opens that door for you. So, yeah. so that was uh, my experience with um, a demonic possession. Now, why do I call it a demonic possession and not oppression? Because I was going to church for what my, my whole life up until then, you know, uh, at that moment. But I never established accepting God as my Lord and Savior. So in, in a way, I was just, I was a child. Yes, technically. Yeah. But I was, I didn't have the mindset of a child of God, which meant that his spirit was not abiding in me. The Bible says that, you know, that the Holy Spirit abides in us, that we are the temple of the body of Christ, blah, blah, blah. You can't have the Holy Spirit living with a demon in the same body. This is not going to happen. You see it in when Jesus sees the guys with a legion of demons, you know, before he, the guy gets saved, he casts out the demons first. So what is, what is the difference between um, an op- oppression and a possession exactly? So, so the difference... I'm going to explain my words, you know? Yeah, yeah. The difference is a possession is when the enemy has full control of, of you. Mm. Because so, you, you have not established a relationship with God. Mm. An oppression is something that a child of God can experience. Mm. When, you, when someone says to another person who's been going to church for a long time and it's in a sin, no matter what sin it may be. And they say, Oh, you're possessed or, Oh, your character, or you need to change that you're possessed. You know, you have a demon inside you. They are incorrect because if you willingly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, and you really, you know, let that door of your heart be open for him to abide in it. It's not a possession. Because a possession would mean that Satan or, a, you know, Satan and his, and his and his demons and stuff would would be abiding already there. Yeah, they will be in control. Exactly. It's kind of like with, with even how you, you know, when they asked you to call on Jesus, you couldn't call on Jesus. And it was just because you had no control. Exactly. Yeah. So, for, so for my example, let's 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 dissect where I came into a, a possession, you know, what opened the door for me was rebellion. Hmm. Rebellion and resentment. Resentment was, was the seed 
that split that 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 grew into a rebellion. Right. But that rebellion was the door that opened the opportunity for a vacant body to be possessed mm. in lamest terms, you know? So because I was going to church does not mean that I had Christ in me, you know, because people go to church does not necessarily mean that they have Christ in them. That's right. Yeah. Church is just a physical building, but the real church isn't here. Right. If you don't let him abide in you, then, you know, <laughs> you're not really having a relationship. You're not really establishing that you are a child of God, you know? Hmm. With my example, yeah, I, I had that door opened. I had a big vacant sign on, across my chest, and it was just like, who wants to take it, you know? So I know a lot, a lot of you are just like, well, give us biblical biblical facts, you know, or, or verses, you know? And I did pull up a couple of them that, that did um, catch my eye, and it's Romans uh, 8, 9. It says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So, in other words, we as Christians, we can be, we can be oppressed. We have a sinful nature as you know with our flesh and and the way we, that we think and we're always trying to be christ-like in our walk but if i'm going through a struggle if i'm going through maybe a, a habitual sin that i repeat over and over and over again and i'm just struggling to get rid of it does not mean i'm possessed by a demon it means that i am oppressed by whatever that sin is i remember this one time we were, we were we were praying. We were having a, a, a noche de liberación, a, a night of of liberation, <clears throat> and um, we were praying for people back in the Hispanic community. You know, like for a lot of people that come from our country, Hispanic culture. Um, there's a lot of witchcraft and 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 soul ties and all that other stuff. You know that that is not godly, um, white black magic, whatever you, you may call it, and. Um, one guy was, you know, really wanted to be on fire for God and he was a leader and <clears throat> he wanted to pray for everybody around him, you know. So this one this one person starts getting starts manifesting, you know, and the guy rushes to 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 go pray for him. And as the guy's praying for him and trying to like take authority of, of, of casting out this demon. The, the guy who was possessed looks at him and goes, oh, I know you. I was with you last night. Oh. <laughs> and you can imagine like the despair, the embarrassment, you know, of, of you trying to be a leader and, and trying to take control and cast out, you know, a demon and a demon just completely humbles you and says, hey, I was with you last night. Yeah, that's a reality check right there. You know, and I'm not I'm not going to go into details of what it was or what kind of sin it was, but sure. yeah. the, the focus is. Yes, you know, like the demons know who you are, you know, and it says in the Bible when that the that the demons knew who Jesus was. They're like, oh, we know you. You're the son of God. Yeah. <laughs> so 
if the demons have the intelligence to to know who God is or who know who Jesus is on earth, they definitely know the authority that you possess as a child of God. Another example that I wanted to give you guys is um, <clears throat> of oppression. So oppression, and this was like for me the most the the most shocking experience that I've that I've seen what oppression really is. You know, because you can speak up oppression, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, I curse a lot, so that's an oppression. And you can you know debate back and forth whether that is or is not, but. One of the things, one of the, the sins that that I saw was unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that if you don't, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's like putting hot coils on top of your head. You know, the unforgiveness, a lot of people think that is for the other person. If I don't give you forgiveness, you know, you're going to suffer for the rest of your life. Mm, no, that, that's not biblical. If you don't, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, the unforgiveness is going to, is going to tear you apart for not being able to give it. And it's going to hold you back from receiving gifts and, and, and whatever blessings that the Lord wants to give you because you are so focused on holding on to that unforgiveness. Yeah. So I remember we were, we were, we were praying for, for a whole bunch of people and, um, this lady comes up and she's like, I want healing um, in my in my abdomen. I just have a, a great amount of pain. Um, I'm having uh, issues with blood. And it's just overwhelming. Like the pain is excruciating. Mm. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, like we'll start praying. And we start praying for healing five, 10 minutes in it. And. You know, at that, but that moment, God's presence was so heavy that the healings and everything were happening like this, like super quick, you know? Yeah. And the lady was not receiving the healing. She was just like, I don't feel anything. I, I, if anything, I feel worse. You know, and at that, time, at that time, I was just like, man, what is stopping her from receiving her healing? Like, Lord, give me the discernment to try to, like, figure it out. Because the, I think there's something deeper that needs to be revealed and needs to be dealt with. And I remember, you know, the Lord just kind of revealed to me. He's like, she has unforgiveness in her heart. And until she's able to let go of that forgiveness, I cannot bless her with with the, the healing. So I asked the lady, I was like, hey, do you have unforgiveness in your heart? And the lady gets like super quiet, you know, like she just like froze up. You know, she got super stiff and and she is like, yes. And I was like, to who? You know, like trying to to figure it out, you know? And she's like, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. That's not possible. Like, that's something that I will just forever hold until I die. I started telling her, I'm like, you need to let that go. The Lord's literally telling me that you need to resign that unforgiveness and give it to him. And he will grant you your healing. And, you know, we worked, we, you know, we, we, we talked to her and, and, and went through the whole unforgiveness process <clears throat> with her for, for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, man. Because she, she was like letting go of certain little areas, but not completely letting it go. And I remember I gave her an example. I was like, look, the Lord has like this huge gift that he wants to give you. Not just the healing, but just in general with every area, every aspect of your life. 
but you're holding on to this big boulder of unforgiveness and you can't receive it because you can't grab and we can't receive with open hands that blessing. And I think that kind of like, like actually the example give her, gave her like a, like a, like a, like a click in her mind is like, wow, that is exactly what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And she let go, man. She broke down crying. I mean, if I remember correctly, this was the same lady that when she let go of the unforgiveness, we had to get her like a bucket because she started to like wanting to throw up and whatever. And she started throwing up like black stuff, man. Mm. I don't know what the heck that was, but (laughs) who knows? But you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So as soon as that unforgiveness left, that healing, bam, it happened. Mm. You know, and I'm just someone who likes to confirm because I'm just like, look, honestly, be honest with me. Like, do you really feel healed? Do you not feel the pain anymore? Because I'd rather keep praying for you over and over again until it happens instead of you just saying, ah, okay, well, just, I don't want it to be awkward. And I'm just going to say yes, but it really hasn't gone away. So I remember I kept asking her, I was like, are you sure? Like, are you good? Yeah. She's like crying, you know, like in happiness because her, her pain and her abdominal area is all gone. So that is for me an example of oppression. She's there looking for God. She knows who God is. She knows that God can heal, mm-hmm. you know, and she's seeking the healing. That doesn't mean that she's possessed because, mm-hmm. because she has unforgiveness. It just means that she has an oppression of a spirit of unforgiveness. And I think that's the main difference is, is that you can't have two people abiding in the same place. You can't have Holy Spirit and a demonic spirit you know, abiding in your temple, you know, either or it's black or white, you know, that's an important reminder too. Cause like, you know, if you haven't received Jesus in your life, that means you are definitely open to finding yourself in that situation. You are vacant. That's what you are. That's exactly what it is. You are absolutely. You are vacant. Because I'm not gonna scary, say, bro. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that everybody who's not non-believer is is possessed with with demons. No, because no, no, no. Right, right, right. you know, but you definitely have a big old sign over you that says vacant. Uh, Whoever wants to come in, I'm I'm really thankful that you know you're you're sharing your story because we see this in the movies. You know, like we see people being. Uh, um, possessed in movies and we see you know um, all those you know Halloween and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and people don't think it's it's real you know what I mean and honestly I mean for before I came to Jesus I probably didn't really think about it too much right mm-hmm. um, and so hearing it from a person who actually experienced um, you know being possessed taking a back seat not being in control it's pretty powerful, man. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for, for sharing that. Any last words that you have for, for, for the people listening? Any encouragement or advice that you may have for, for the people? Yeah, absolutely. For, I, I guess in general for, for the people, you know, young adults, you know, older adults, whatever you may be, whatever ministry that you're part of in, in church, you have the authority to cast out demons. Come on now. You have the authority to heal people. 
If anybody has ever told you, whether pastor or leader, whatever it may be, that you don't have the authority to cast out demons or to heal people, they're not reading the word because we're all called to do that. When you become a child of God, you have the ability to cast out demons. You know, and I, I know a lot of Christians that that have stated to me, oh, I'm scared. Um, what happens when 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 someone starts you know, convulsing and, 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 and the demon starts, you know, manifesting, why would you be scared? You know, you're a child of God, or I don't want to touch him is another like big thing. I don't want to touch him because the demon can jump to me. No, (laughs) that doesn't happen. You know, like it doesn't happen because again, if you're full with the Holy spirit, the demon cannot just come in there and try to kick him out either, you know? Now, yes, there's a process of like you cleansing yourself after you 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 done liberation and stuff. You pray over yourself because you have been dealing with stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that oh, I can't touch the person that that we need to to liberate because that's not biblical. That's very real. You need to be careful um, with your with your eyes, but don't be scared, bro. Don't be scared of of taking charge and, you know, seeing someone who, who needs God and needs liberation and needs prayer and needs healing. Don't be scared to just go and, and, and take command and the authority that God has implemented in every single one of us to do that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Wandering Sun podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to connect with us, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at The Wandering Sun. And if you have any words of encouragement or testimony you would like to share with us, please visit thewanderingsun.com and leave us a message. Also, if you have any prayer requests, if you need help, if you need community, message us at thewanderingsun.com and we'll try our best to help you. I pray God continues to bless and protect you and we'll catch you on the next episode.